in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Call back to mind the last sentences we heard from the reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Hope is a strength for living. It is fundamental. In seminary, I was assigned a book on hope. The central idea was simple, set out in a few sentences in the first pages. Hope is the strength to imagine. So, a person is in trouble. There's a way out. What is it? He imagines alternatives. He waits. He continues to imagine alternatives. That is, when faced with a challenge, waiting and imagining what I might do is already an act of hope. Really, to take your next breath is an act of hope. And if you're still breathing, this is good. You're a hopeful person. We don't often think of hope in this fundamental way. More often we think of what we hope for, that is to say, what we want. We hope for a better job or a business success. We have great hopes for our children. If there's a threat to our health, we hope for a good prognosis and successful treatment. In the same way, when we say a person still has hope, we usually mean they don't have much else going for them. None of this has to do with our fundamental hope. What can we say about it? It is hard for us to speak directly of something fundamental, something always there in everything we say or do, whether love, faith, or hope. And yet Paul speaks to that hope. In Christ, we are children of God. In the resurrection, we will be fully transformed in the image of Christ, living his life, radiant with the glory of God. Paul tells us we will share in the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That is our ultimate hope, beyond what we can see or imagine. The there and then, so to speak, rather than the here and now. We wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. But hope is not just a matter of there and then. Here and now, we live by the hope that we share in Christ's life, life received as a gift 
from God and offered, lived for God, offered in love. The prayer book speaks for us. We pray in the daily office that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service. That is the prayer of those who already live by the hope that our life is from God and for God by the hope that we are children of God now, even if what we will be has not yet been revealed. It's the same life, the same glory, here and now, or there and then. From St. Irenaeus, all the way back in the second century, the glory of God is a living human being. The glory of God. That is who we are. More important, that is who God is. When faced with a challenge, we have confidence and hope in God and ourselves as God's own. We imagine, we wait, we continue to imagine. We do not give up on ourselves, one another, or God. Hope is strength for living. Our hearts answer to the simplicity, beauty, and truthfulness of that life. Yet there is a shadow across our hearts as well. We know that we are fearful, mistrustful, and confused within ourselves, with others, even with God. We often hesitate and stumble. Sometimes we fall. The promised life is God's gift not our doing. Paul tells us we groan inwardly as we wait for adoption. We are in labor as a new life is being born. But it is God's work on God's time. Just as with birth, we are not in control of the process. We can't lay out a timeline, goals, and objectives for God. Thomas Merton wrote an autobiography shortly after he became a Trappist monk. He tells a long and twisting story full of stumbles and falls. At the end of it, he imagined God speaking to him, and God says, I will take you by the way you cannot possibly understand, because I want it to be the shortest way. We have hope, and our hope is real. But in our hope, 
we groan inwardly as we wait. Not only that, the creation groans with us. It suffers with us and through us. The sufferings we experience, the threats we face, are also real. Let's stay close to home. The pandemic has completely disrupted our family's friendship and work. Our church community is scattered, yet we are still bound to each other, to this place. Live streaming has been a surprising grace, and we thank Kenneth in the vestry, but it cannot fully overcome separation. We keep our members who are ill in our prayers and help when we can. As we gather for worship, we especially remember Tim as the music he offers is the soul of our liturgy. When we do not clearly see the way forward, we still hope, pray, and work for what is good. We seek to be faithful and responsible, as we must. I think of Father Mike's sermon last week as he reflected on the open meeting of the City Council. Two doctors warned us that we were exceeding our ICU capacity and pleaded with us to do all we can to control the spread of the virus, to be faithful and responsible. And we must wait without knowing the outcome. We accept both the limits of what we know and beyond that, what remains unknown and uncertain. All this is to wait with patience. Our hope, prayers, and work as we wait is, I believe, what Paul is speaking of when he says that we groan inwardly. Here's the thing. We groan because we have hope. That fundamental hope that we are children of God. It is because God's gift is good that we have hope and long for its fulfillment. Even that we truly feel loss. Paul tells us our prayer as children of God is Abba, Father. That is the prayer of those who groan. As we trust that we are children of God by grace, that our life is from God, we open our hearts simply and completely, our longings and joys, our losses and fears, 
as God's family, we have hope that Abba listens, that Abba provides. Most of all, we hope that Abba is faithful to his good purpose in our creation. We trust God even for the future we will not see as nothing we have offered for God will be lost. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. It might seem odd to say that we groan because we have hope. What may seem odder still, but I believe is also true, is that without hope, our capacity to feel becomes barren and dead. If it's all just one <clears throat> thing after another, then nothing matters. If there's no point, how can we truly allow ourselves to feel the pain of loss or to rejoice in what is good? The best we can do is to cope, manage, and survive. We surely complain, but that is not the same thing as groaning inwardly, as there is little faith hope, or love in it. Sadly, this is all to make a small thing out of a great gift. The last word goes to Martin Luther King. The night before he was assassinated, he preached a prophetic sermon. He called on the congregation to remain faithful to the nonviolent struggle against injustice, and then, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't really matter with me now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up the mountain, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we, as a people, will get to the promised land. That's the voice of hope. It wasn't that his life didn't really matter, much less that civil rights or equality of opportunity didn't matter. They embodied everything that mattered. They still do. King spoke as a person of hope. He trusted God for the future he would not see. May our nation be blessed by people of hope. May we be among them. Amen.